Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Haug, founder of the international online coaching business, Team Ange. I'm an expert in building muscle and losing fat, a natural figure and fitness pro athlete with the UFE, and a lover of everything personal development. I'm a mom, a businesswoman. Most days, I just feel like a hot mess trying to keep it all together. I spent the first two decades of my life overweight, tired, hating vegetables, and living off Pepsi. I got sick and tired of feeling tired every day and decided to transform my life. This fitness and nutrition podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering listeners on all things training, nutrition, and personal development. I'm on a mission to help you improve your body, achieve your goals, live a confident and fulfilled life stepping into your full potential. So let's help you transform physically and mentally to a person that's been hiding underneath all along. Let's do it. Hello, hello, hello. It is so great to have you here, guys. Today we are chatting with one of the most inspirational women that I have ever met, Mrs. Kelly Good. This woman, she grew up in some really shitty circumstances, had some terrible things come across her way, but all in all, she just has this beautiful attitude, this beautiful soul, and you guys are gonna be absolutely moved from today's conversation. So we talk about her struggles with eating disorders, struggles with depression and self-harm. She shares some really dark days based on some shitty circumstances that happened to her, but all in all, she was able to rise above these terrible situations and just become this absolutely beautiful woman who has the best perspective. You guys are, I just can't wait for you guys to hear it. So I'm not gonna waste any more of your time. We are gonna get right into today's interview. This is my chat with Mrs. Kelly Good, world fitness model champion. Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Hauk, founder of the international online coaching business, Team Ange. I'm an expert in building muscle and losing fat, a natural figure and fitness pro athlete with the UFE, and a lover of everything personal development. I'm a mom, a businesswoman. Most days, I just feel like a hot mess trying to keep it all together. I spent the first two decades of my life overweight, tired, hating vegetables, and living off Pepsi. I got sick and tired of feeling tired every day and decided to transform my life. This fitness and nutrition podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering listeners on all things training, nutrition, and personal development. I'm on a mission to help you improve your body, achieve your goals, live a confident and fulfilled life stepping into your full potential. So let's help you transform physically and mentally to a person that's been hiding underneath all along. Let's do it. Oh my goodness, Kelly, I am so pumped that we get to chat today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So I know before we started recording here, you were we were kind of talking about baby stuff, talking about kid stuff, dog stuff, all that fun jazz. <laughs> and, and then you were kind of going into how in the world you crossed paths with me. And I think that's a beautiful place for us to start at with how in the world did you find me? And uh, yeah, how did we get here? So I started competing with USC back in 2013. Um, my husband competed in 2012, and we had gone to a Hamilton show. It was the UFE, I think it was a Mayhem. I don't remember what it was, but I believe you were there, and you were competing, and we had seen you, and I always make mental notes of people. Obviously, it was a while ago, but I kind of started following you and your journey once you started prepping again after um, sorry, about a year or so ago for another competition and actually was I think I found you through just you know following different people on on the Instagram it's kind of funny you know 10 years ago if you told somebody you followed them it would be a little creepy but now it's a compliment and so yeah I just was kind of interested in what you had doing and how you started to kind of make a presence for what you do with the nutrition and the coaching as well as you know doing your podcast and I just thought it was so cool to watch you share your your transparency and the ups and downs of prep with everyone and doing your check-ins and all that kind of stuff. And I just, it was so cool to be able to actually see where you've come from and where you've been and how you got there. And I really am kind of just inspired by how you like to help other women. And well, I see that you work 
mainly the women, women, but yeah, kind of inspire them to embrace the same journeys, whether they compete or not. So I was really excited to be able to, when you had asked for me to be on, just because I really actually look up to you in terms of all you've done for like the community and, and sharing your, your knowledge that you've learned through the sport. Um, and I also follow Paul and I think he's an amazing person um, in terms of what he's learned and what he shares with the public as to just health and fitness in general and kind of debunking some of the myths that are out there or providing some of the more recent research. And so, yeah, I, uh, you're just an inspiring person to me and I really enjoy getting to learn from you and, and see what you have to share. Oh, Kelly. Oh, my goodness. I'm like a little bit like feel like my soul was just touched there because I feel the exactly same way about you. I saw you come out at the UFE World Pro Championships last year. And oh, my God, you you danced and you just had this (laughs) presence that I was like, oh, my God, she is amazing because not only was it that your physique looked awesome, but you came out there and I was like, she's got it. She's got (laughs) it. She is going to be the world pro fitness model championship, like champion without a doubt. And I was like, okay, I got to follow this girl. She (laughs) is amazing. And then since getting to know you, I like when you won, everybody started telling me about your story. And I was like, okay, Holy crap, I got to know her even more because your story is so darn remarkable. And I think we just need to go back like 10 years into, yeah, like 10 years back into your history. Let's start there, kind of like reveal what the last 10 years have looked like and just some of those struggles and ups and downs that have led you to where you are right now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I originally moved here to Chicago from Flint, Michigan, um, a little actually rural town outside of Flint, Michigan. So I wasn't in the downtown area, thank the Lord, but moved here uh, in 2009. I had just graduated college and wanted to seek a, a career in performing arts and kind of had felt that going to like New York or LA was a little farther out of my scope of what I felt I was ready for at the moment. So um, I had family who lived here in Chicago. And so I moved here. I had been kind of coming here as a teenager to visit the family as I grew up. So it's a little familiar to me as a city. And, um, you know, I, I tried the performing arts for a while. I unfortunately just, you know, didn't realize I didn't have as thick of a skin for that kind of thing as I had hoped when I first started it. Very critical. You're kind of always comparing as an artist yourself to other people and other performers and trying to get better. I had worked kind of some odd jobs just as a flower delivery person for my aunt. Uh, I had served as a server. I was a bartender. I was always kind of performing and doing, seeking the performing arts. And I slowly worked my way up to where I was doing bigger shows like the Phantom of the Opera. And I was really enjoying myself. However, I had just moved here. I didn't really make a lot of friends. We didn't have a lot of money because I had just graduated from college. So I started to kind of get unactive and Matt and myself, my husband, both started to kind of get a little mushy (laughs) and put on some weight. So we kind of just made it a point that we wanted to start to be active and get back into things that we maybe had used to done. We both lived in Michigan um, and got married back there, but we rode motorcycles. We were very outdoorsy people. We liked to play outside, go fishing, and he had hunted. I went with him. We just were very active, general um, people outside, but that kind of changed once he moved to Chicago. Long story short, I went through kind of a series of events, um, which led me to to not pursue performing as much. And I had started to teach a little bit more the performing arts. I did that through college and I really enjoyed it. And so I just kind of was like, I need to regroup. I through performing had made like a series of compromising decisions. We kind of do that sometimes when we don't keep ourselves in check as to if we have a plan on where we're going in life. So I kind of became someone I wasn't really proud of being anymore. My health was suffering. My mental state was suffering. I was starting to get depressed. And prior to that, um, I had struggled a long time with depression. I had been diagnosed with 
PTSD, depression. I was disordered eater. I had bulimia and anorexia as a teenager trying to pursue a dance career. You know, you want to be skinny. And then at that point, unfortunately, my brother had passed away. And he was he was a very important person in my life for multiple reasons. He kind of gave me the example when I was younger. He was three years older as to things that I didn't want to do with my life and kind of helped me to learn how to focus on positive things. And yeah, it just kind of got to the point where he unfortunately had passed away. And it was just a very... It was kind of my rock bottom. Um, a lot of things in my life just weren't going the way that I had hoped them to. I was trying to control them. And, you know, I realized that I didn't have control over it. And the more I lost control, the more frustrating it got. So, yeah, I kind of removed myself from the performing arts, started to teach. And I figured, you know, what's the point of having a career if mentally I don't enjoy being who I am? If I don't like living, you know, in the skin I'm in, if I don't like the decisions I make if I don't like where I'm at so I kind of just decided to work on myself and I promised and vowed kind of that um, I would live vicariously for myself and my brother because you know he was 30 when he passed away and that's just such a young time and he deserved a lot more and I wanted to make sure that I wouldn't waste my life and or his and you know be just kind of floating through life so my husband had signed up for a competition. In 2012, he was training with a family member who went to school for kinesiology and was in the MPC um, side of things. And uh, another gentleman from a gym that we had worked out with or at worked out at had kind of asked Matt about this UFE. And so he was like, yeah, sure, you know, we'll try it and see what what happens. And he ended up placing second. In, and back then it was in the bodybuilding category. He was definitely not as big as he is now. However, he was very ripped. So I saw a lot of the women there. And I just was like, you know what, look at look at what that's done for him. Look at what he's accomplished. And I'm so proud of him. And I really, you know, I, I could probably do that. I, why not? You know, why not try? So I kind of said that I would do it. And I drug my feet forever. I want to say that I, I had prepped for the first competition, I bought my, my bikini. And I don't think I registered until like two weeks before because I was terrified that I wasn't going to do well or that it just, you know, wasn't for me. I can say definitely back then I had a misconstrued notion as to what this sport was about. <laughs> and yeah, so I signed up and I ended up in that competition winning second um, in the bikini category, which lit a fire in my tushy. Um <laughs> I was like, well, dang, if I, you know, if I can do this and all it is is working out and, and taking care of myself, I mean, what am I afraid of being in the best shape of my life for the rest of my life? It's really hard to argue it. So I um, took my judge's report from that, and I was just, you know, trying to kind of figure out what it was the sport wanted for me in terms of maybe trying to do better at it. And I really ran with it, started getting really into the, the health and fitness in terms of following other people um, like you and Jamie Easton, you know, Ashley Horner, um, Nicole Wilkins, like all these different people and then same thing with uh, like Marcy Marcy King with the UFE she was the the reigning world champion in the fitness model category and she was setting the bar and just you know I was again looking at all these women and realizing that I was kind of living my life subpar and not really allowing myself to fully embrace what I possibly could so I really worked hard for that last that next year and actually put on a lot more muscle lost some more fat and came back the next year thinking, oh, I'm going to do great. It's going to be awesome. And I, I looked better. I, you know, I was so proud of all my accomplishments and uh, I actually placed worse. <laughs> I did, I placed seventh and I was kind of really defeated about that. It was a, a humbling experience and I did not have the best attitude after that show. I was a little a little bitter because I had worked so hard and everyone told me how much better I looked than the, the year before. Fans forward a little bit more. I got my judges report. I talked to some of the judges that had judged me that day. And basically they just said, you know, you put too much muscle on. 
and you now are needing to go to another category. So again, kind of went back to the drawing board, reevaluated what my goals were for what I wanted to do in this sport. And on my judges report, they were like, well, you can either, you know, step back the muscle that you've gained over the year, or you can, you know, keep going and go into the next sport and or into the next category. And I was like, well, that's bad. I'm not going to go back. Like, why would I do that? You know, it took me forever to, to be able to do 20 push-ups. So I decided to keep moving forward with uh, trying to kind of just see what my body was capable of. And girl, it opened a can of worms of stuff that I didn't even know I was capable of. And yeah, so I just kind of went with that. And I tried to kind of look at competing as a way to reinforce my self-improvement that I had tried to start on. And, you know, fast forward, I want to say it was, I can't even remember now, two, three years ago, Halloween mayhem, it would have been 2015, I guess, I ended up placing first in receiving my pro card in the fitness model category and decided to go to Worlds about two weeks later, just to kind of ride that prep out and get some experience as to what Worlds was like. And again, a whole nother ball game, a whole nother caliber of athletes learned so much. I placed dead last again. I think it was like 17th out of 24 women. And again, at that point, I kind of realized that this, this sport obviously is very subjective from, from person to person and from competition to competition, judge to judge. And try to just always continually take those judges reports and look back on what they suggested that I should improve on and really focus on that. And so last year was kind of the turning point for me. I had placed second in 2016 and it was a huge jump for me in terms of accomplishment and just from going 17th to second. And so I, again, it really lit a fire under my butt as to the judges reports and what the judges were looking for. And so I went through some hardships in those times with um, just health issues. I had danced my whole life and started dancing when I was three, went on point shoes or ballet too early in life, unfortunately. I think I was like 12 or 13, which now I understand that's too early. Your bones are still calcifying as you go through puberty and allowing, you know, the rigidity of the bones. So through genetic deformities in my feet with like bunions, as well as just misuse and overuse of my my feet, I started to have some real issues with them. I first started getting fasciitis and then I got neuritis and, and bursitis and all the itises. And it got to the point where I could no longer teach group fitness or dance the way I wanted to. I couldn't exercise the way that I wanted to. And it got to the point where even just, you know, standing at the kitchen sink doing dishes was excruciating. I started to try to compensate by doing other things, rolling more to the outside of my feet or just, you know, doing whatever I could to, to make it without having to get help for it more than I already did. Long story short, eh, the Lord pretty much was like, guess what? It's not an option anymore. You need to have your feet surgically broken. So last year, around this time, I went in to have a bilateral hallux surgery. Usually they don't do both feet at the same time because of the fact that you need to walk on one foot or the other. But my husband, Matt, was very helpful in making sure that I took the rest period that I needed to, to allow my feet to heal the way that they needed to. And they allowed me to do both feet at the same time went on medical leave for work. Um, I had the surgery July 11th of last year, and it was supposed to be a 16-week recovery period. I didn't accept that because I had already signed up for the World Championship the following year. Um, one of the things that I like to do to keep myself accountable for my off-season, being somebody who has disordered behaviors and eating, I find that it's, it's easy to have something that keeps me accountable to not get, get into the extremes or the unhealthy ways that we can kind of deal with our weight as women by not eating or over exercising 
And so at this point, like I said, I had kind of studied and got some certifications. I got personal training certified. I did group training, started to do like sports nutrition, just was very interested into the whole health and fitness industry and what I had learned in comparison to school, because I did do a little health and wellness uh, as a dancer in my bachelor's undergrad. And yeah, so I unfortunately was forced to have this bilateral (laughs) foot surgery and I was in bed on bed rest for a good two months and so I just did my own prep in terms of uh, I tried to eat as clean as possible I don't necessarily believe that clean eating is the best in terms of sustainability long term I've done a lot of research obviously as to keto and low carb and flexible dieting and vegetarian and vegan and blood type diets and just everything that I possibly could get a book on. And so what I did was I literally just bought foods that were going to help me heal and put those in the house. So that way, you know, Matt could only feed me those things. So yeah, two months of mostly whole foods, plant-based diets, clean foods, and some some little treats here and there to help avoid (laughs) depression and and sinking into the wallow of my bed. But um, point being, I didn't really work out, obviously, during that time. I My workouts were learning how to walk again and get back up and moving around. But I really kind of was just trying to push through because as a dancer and as a performer, I love being on stage. That was the that's the best part about competing for me is getting to not just to display my hard work, obviously, that I put in throughout the year, but to go out and, and shine and let, you know, my personality of whatever I feel kind of come through. It's one of the best parts about the dancing side is that, you know, you nobody knows what you're thinking. You can be terrified and you can be excited and you can still go out there and give a good show regardless of you know what your feelings are necessarily on the performance and so last year I (laughs) I printed off my judges report and I sat it I literally taped it next to my bed so every morning when I got up I could see what it was that they were critiquing and why I needed to work on those things and my main point for my judges report was that I didn't have the stage confidence that I should and that I didn't allow myself to really shine through. I looked like a deer in headlights pretty much on stage. And I just got so mad about that. I was like, I have a performing arts degree. How is this the main area of my critique that I have, you know, no stage presence? So I kind of got upset and I viewed it as a challenge. I was like, well, you know what? I am going to use this opportunity this year for a, a performance. If I, you know, if I don't get to dance anymore and I don't get to do the things that I wholeheartedly am so passionate about, I'm going to use these five minutes of whatever I get on stage to to dance. I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to do what I feel. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I do not <laughs> suggest this to anybody or any of my clients. However, the black swan routine, I did not, I I had a couple poses that I had practiced in those shoes, but I had not went on point or tried any of that. I did not develop or choreograph my posing routine for that because I was honestly terrified that I was going to re-break my feet. And so I just kind of said a little prayer to the powers that be and was like, don't let me hurt myself when I go out there. And what I had done, some of it obviously was just in my body from years of experience. And I didn't originally plan on going on point, but I guess I decided to (laughs) last minute. Thank the Lord it paid off. Um, Everything went well. And I, it, you know, it was a smooth transition from one thing to the other. But literally, as I stood off to the side, I just repeatedly told myself, you know, go out there and have fun and dance. You know, you've put all the work into it that you possibly can for your physique. And I honestly felt that I did, especially after having the hardships that I did for that prep that year with 
the, the surgery. And then, of course, as soon as I got back to work, the gym that I had been working at for the last six years, unfortunately, went out of business. So then I lost my job. And it was another kind of defeating blow of trying to regroup and restructure my life. But, you know, I kind of was just trusting that if this is what's supposed to happen, this is what's going to happen, because I've had a fire for this. And I've can continually tried to reach and, and hone whatever it is that I could as a competitor to make myself better. And I felt that I had done that. I had given everything that I possibly could last year's prep and going out on stage. And I really had no expectations. I was blown away when I won. I didn't anticipate that whatsoever because of the fact that the prep was just so hard. And I really just wanted to get out there on stage it had nothing to do at that point with winning it was more or less telling myself where I used to quit and I used to create excuses not to try and I used to be afraid of failure I would just sit on the sideline and him and haw about how awesome it would be if I could accomplish something like that in life but it wasn't for me because I'm not that type of person and, you know, throw, slowly throughout the years of just trying and giving my best and forgetting everything else and knowing that, you know, my best isn't always going to be my best, but if I'm satisfied with it, I won't be disappointed. And so I went out there and I did my best and I was blessed for it. And so I kind of had this epiphany as a performer that I was always a dancer or a singer, or an actor trying to be a bodybuilder. And I didn't realize that I had disconnected those two things so much that they actually were the same. Being on stage is being on stage. You're performing no matter what point of your bodybuilding career that you're in, um, especially with the UFE. It's about the show. You know, It's about enjoying what we've accomplished to get to the point that we're at as athletes, not about trying to do better than the person next to you or trying to, you know, sweep the whole thing. It's, are you giving your best? Is it better than the last time that you gave your best? And if you can honestly say that, then you shouldn't be walking away feeling defeated whatsoever. And I felt that way. And so originally, like I had said kind of before when we started talking, I had planned on having a baby, with uh, trying to have a baby this year and not competing. However, I did not anticipate winning. So uh, this year I am prepping not on birth control, which has been a fun endeavor in trying to learn my body over again as a woman with the full-blown womanly hormone. But again, it's a learning experience and I've welcomed every moment of it. And I'm just kind of excited to see what happens in this prep. I've decided to go ahead and sign up for the world championship again, maybe try to keep my title. And if not, then that's what is supposed to happen. Again, I'm doing my best. I'm focusing on me. I feel like I'm making improvements as an athlete. And so really that's all I try now to focus on is, you know, am I doing better than I did the last year? Am I giving my best? And if I can honestly say that, then I hope <laughs> that when the chips fall where they may at Worlds um, this coming November, that I will, you know, gracefully accept those circumstances as well. So more or less, I just am very shocked <laughs> that mm -hmm. if someone like myself, who has had eating disorders, who has had abuse in the past sexually, who has used to be a self-destructive person. I had an addictive personality. I created excuses not to try. I would kind of, you know, literally just not make any movement in one way or the other in my life for fear of being a failure in people, people's eyes. And it really held me in one place. It kept me from thriving in life because I was just terrified and I didn't like who I was as a person. So, you know, I'm, My, I'm, I really am just on this verge right now, Kelly, of like 
There is so much that you have just said in your absolutely <laughs> incredible know, story. I am like, like 10 years of my life in, in a quick story. I know, um, but oh my goodness, like the ups and downs of your journey are like so crazy. And we literally could sit here and go so deep. Yeah. yeah, talk for hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And go so deep into like all of the segments of what you just said, because there have been these turning points and these like incredible challenges that have came your way and time after time challenge comes in is like Kelly can you handle it and you're like okay I'm gonna handle it so that's what I want to get into is how in the world when you are down in the dumps and in something that is so challenging and so profound how in the world do you pull yourself out of that place well I believe that it's very important that we as a humans or society keep have faith, hope, and something. You know, I, I tend to be, I, I call myself a Christian, but I don't even kind of sometimes like doing that because there's such a stigma around judgmental people and religion. And I really, you know, I just believe in loving people and, and having kindness. And I, so that's more or less my, my religion, I guess. But, you know, for the longest time, I, again, I never had any faith in myself or uh, I didn't really love myself or, you know, hope that I could have something better in life. I just kind of accept my, accepted my circumstances. However, I just got tired of that. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not even 30 and I'm going to roll over and t- accept that this is how my life is going to be. Uh, no, I'm, you know, I'm done. I don't, I, I don't want this life. And so, you know, something is better than nothing. So I literally, obviously, I had gone through a lot of different things, the gym being one area that helped me to create a lot of mental fortitude that I didn't have before, because I saw myself accomplishing things that I literally refused to try before, because I thought they were impossible for me. And once I saw myself achieving those things, I was like, holy shit, pardon, pardon my language, but I I didn't know I could do these things. What else? could I possibly be capable of? So on the days it was really hard, you know, I would meditate, I would do devotions, I would spend time kind of cognitively just going over things that were rational thoughts or irrational thoughts and and trying to think, uh, you know, what, what do I need to focus on right now, today? Doesn't matter if I wanna win the world championship in November, it doesn't matter you know, where my life is going to be at in five years, because I really don't have any control over that. But what I do have control over right now is that I can have faith in that it's possible. I can hope for the best and I can love myself through everything, regardless of what I actually accomplish. And day by day, seeing myself accomplish things that I thought I wasn't going to be able to, you know, pushing through a foot surgery um, dealing with that pain and and teaching myself how to walk again and how to walk correctly and then you know getting back to work and and losing my job it was like again just one blow after another after another and it got to the point where I realized I can continually allow myself to be frustrated about all these circumstances but all it's going to do is continually feed the negative perception of what I have going on and I didn't want that. So I really had to make it a choice cognitively, behaviorally, even dialectically in my head, starting to self-talk positively, focusing on the things that I could accomplish. Okay, well, you can't go work out. What can you do? Can you get up and walk to the end of the block? Can you, you know, can you be, are you able to make yourself healthy meals? You know, what, what can you do right now? Don't focus on what you can't. Don't focus on what you you think that you're incapable of or where you think you're going and how you're going to get there because it's just too overwhelming and none of us even really know in the end because it's not in our control. So I kind of just learned to have a, a humor <laughs> about life circumstances that, you know, come what may, you're going to do what you have to do to deal with it. And you're going to allow yourself to find your strengths 
focus on those and move forward without having to look at the whole picture. Because sometimes when we do that, it's just simply overwhelming and it keeps us frozen in fear from trying. And that had been something that I had done for so long that I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to make myself as proud as I possibly could of my efforts and just trust that. And then wherever the chips may fell in terms of the things that I had been preparing for, at least I knew going into it that I did everything that I possibly could do to be better. And I wouldn't be disappointed because that was what was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And so really, I'd say like, you know, obviously having a plan is a very important aspect of it. If we fail to plan, we plan to fail purely for the fact that if you change nothing, nothing changes. And if we don't know what we did, we can't change anything. So I, you know, was trying to always kind of evaluate if I was getting better from where I was before. And as long as that was happening, regardless of it was 2% or 100% better, I just kept focusing on that on a daily basis instead of trying to think of, you know, I have to win this or I, I want this. Um, it was more just Focusing on the little efforts, the sum of everything on a daily basis was what ended up getting me to the destination that I wanted to be at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just think it's so beautiful, the perspective that you give and the way that you look at those situations, Kelly, because I think so often we get very clouded by either our own circumstances or the circumstances of the people that are around us as well. So we're either around people who are dragging us down or we're around people who don't believe in us. And so it can be so easy to get caught up in the people that are around us and then that like nagging self-doubt monster that can get on our shoulders that's like, no, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. So what do you do when that like – Either that negative energy is creeping around you through other people or that negative energy is like coming up within you to say, Kelly, I know you really want to do it, but like you can't do it. Like, for example, how you went, you did the show and then the judges said that the performing aspects was was the component. You're like, I'm a performing artist, right? So how do you take that? And you're not like oh my God, I've always thought I was a performing artist. Maybe I'm not. Like, how do you go from that to being like, okay, this is fuel for the fire. Watch me prove you wrong. Like, how do you like separate from that negative energy? Well, I mean, it, it, uh, first of all, <laughs> nobody talks to you more than you will, right? So in our head every day when we're by ourselves, we, we talk to ourselves, you know, when we get stressed or things like that. Like I said, I, I feel like putting my faith in something not in myself uh, was a very important aspect for me because I had had so many self-doubt, self-efficacy, self-worth, confidence issues already at that point in my life that putting something that relied in me, I felt like I always came up short and it always made me still focus on the negative. So I really did actually put a lot of work into cognitive therapy, you know, buying self-help motivating books to help me realize that self-talk is a very, very important aspect of every part of life, but also, you know, our success. If we constantly are hearing that we're stupid and we're worthless, we are going to believe that. If we constantly are hearing that it doesn't matter if you're perfect, but if we try and that's good enough, then again, we will focus on that and we'll believe that as well. One of my favorite sayings is, you know, if you think you can't, you can't. And if you think you can, you can. And, you know, my thought was, I just was tired of quitting and I didn't want to take no for an answer. And I made it hell bent on however long it was going to take me, it was going to take me. So if it was 10 years to get to the first place or my pro card or whatever, then it was going to be 10 years. But I was tired of quitting because I had always quit. It was the easy thing to do. But then I would be so disappointed and I would feel guilty and I would just reinforce all those horrible negative feelings that I had about myself because 
I never followed through on anything. I never saw what I was capable of doing. So one, I, I did some self-help books in terms of like how to just, you know, cognitively take control of your thoughts and your your behaviors and how you talk to yourself. And then two, I made it a point to start to surround myself and reach out to people who I thought were going to help me foster those different things that I was working on. Hence, i.e. following you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I really wanted to change my my pattern and my behaviors because obviously the things that I were, was doing up until that point really weren't helping me. So one, community. Building a community of people that, you know, are going to help you continue because they're there's, like I said, there's a point where if you don't put your faith in something else or your trust in something else, we just, at least for me, I felt like if I wasn't enough for myself and I put that faith in me, I always, again, was going to come up feeling not enough or defeated because I would create excuses not to try because I was scared of failing. Because if I failed, then people would think I was a failure in life. And I didn't want people to view me that way. Um, especially as a performer, as a performer, you know, you're, I'm trying to be in the eye of everybody. And it's, you're always kind of under scrutiny in that manner. So I, one, tried to build a community. Two, I made a plan. I really, I sat down, I got a planner, I wrote down every exercise and, and structure that I was going to try to do for the whole 16 weeks and things like that. And over time, I, through my certifications and, and the communities that I had allowed myself to be a part of, I realized, you know, healthier ways to do things and more efficient ways, you know, current research as to what scientifically works. So my efforts started getting better and better because of the fact that I was getting the right information from the right type of people. But more or less, I just kept saying to myself, I- I've already quit. I already knew what it felt like to not like who I was a person, to not enjoy the skin that I lived in, to always feel defeated in a lot of things that I had tried and I was done. And so I made it a point to myself to say, no, you're not, you're not going to run and hide. Even when it came to the training girl, I would make myself cry sometimes (laughs) in the gym I'd want to go home and I'd be like, I can't do this. You know, I'm not going to be able to deadlift 200 pounds. You freaking crazy. I can't ever do that. I would never be able to do that. But I would sit there and I would stand in front of the bar and I would mentally go over in my head. You're good enough. You're smart enough. You know, people love you, damn it. And just try to tell myself and talk to myself to build myself up in terms of what I thought that I should be feeling because I love, you know, I'm I'm a very loving person in terms of I'm not, I really try not to be judgmental in life. I don't, I'm not God. I'm not the, the judge and juror of this world. So I don't know what's right or wrong. It's not my place to judge other people. But I did know that if I knew any woman, and I'm going to probably cry a little bit, <laughs> that felt the way that I did about myself, that if I could just be a example to other people that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to come from a perfect family. You don't have to have been the smartest person in school. You didn't have to have the most talent. You don't have to be the sexiest or have the most money. But if you just try, then you can change and move mountains in your life. And I literally, it just, broke my heart to think that other women specifically felt the way that they did about themselves that I did. And that was my driving force was I am going to be an example of self-love to other women that if you just believe in yourself, even the face of a mustard seed, then it will foster, it will grow and it will move mountains and you will accomplish things that you never thought possible in your life. And I really just tried to hold on to that. And five years, six years later, I'm a world champion, you know, and just all of that. Oh, that just, oh, you're amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's not me though. I mean, it's really, it's just, you know, 
it's the the Lord or the universe or whatever working through me, just helping me figure out how to share this information with other people because I'm sure that you understand and you know. I mean, it's amazing seeing your body, <laughs> the way that we get to see it stage ready. However, the biggest fulfillment that I've ever gotten out of all of this is seeing the transformation in other women's lives or in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Seeing them, and let's face it, we start usually because of the scale. At least for me, I was out of shape. I started getting heavy. I got chubby. I was like, I don't even know this girl anymore. I need to get back into it. As a dancer, you know, I was more into like the flexibility and yoga and Pilates and mat science and more of the cardio type stuff weight training really wasn't my forte but once I saw what I could do I was like this is amazing and everybody needs to know and feel the way that I feel because oh the way that I was living my life before it's not for anyone and it it really is such a it, it we're not meant to simply survive this life we are meant to thrive in it we are meant to grow and to do amazing things and we have to believe that. We mm-hmm. have to. Absolutely. And I feel like, yeah, that's the biggest catalyst is just having a little bit of faith in yourself. You don't even have to know where you're going. You just have to put a little faith in yourself every day and make the effort to, like I said, hope for the best, have faith in what could be, and love yourself through it all, mistakes and, and all, because we're not always going to be perfect. And we're not always going to be on our A game. Sometimes, you know, our best in the gym is what (laughs) a half best day would be for a PR. But if, again, you can say that you've given your best, then really you shouldn't be walking away feeling defeated. And like I said, we all kind of, at least for me, I started by just trying to lose weight and get healthy. But the non-scale victories, the mental fortitude that I gained, the, the self-respect, the, the virtue that I started to see myself as that I wasn't this horrible person or I, you know, wasn't worthless or that, you know, I did actually have some talent and I was smart in some areas and that I did have a lot of things to offer. The more that I fostered those, the more that I believed in that, the more that I put those thoughts in the forefront, the more successful I slowly began to get and again in that it fostered new feelings of trying harder and pushing to do things that I thought that I couldn't do before and and doing them and again starting that cycle all over again to where I'm so far from the person that I used to be it really it's amazing to me because I again if you would have told me you know eight years ago when I moved here that I would be where I am I probably would have laughed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, w- I would have told you, no, you're thinking of a different Kelly. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the power of positivity. That's the power of trying. That's the power of putting your mind in the right mental aspect of success. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody is good at anything when they first start. And if they are, it's beginner's luck. <laughs> yeah. And And, you know, anything, things are hard in life. You know, whether I, my job and my feet, whether I was a competitor or not, it still was something that I had to deal with. So I can choose to let that defeat me or I can choose to let that make me better. And so I I do everything now looking at things as an opportunity for growth and, and learning. And I don't shy away from failure because failure is now how we learn. If you fail, you're succeeding and knowing the wrong ways to do things and finding the right things to do. And again, fostering those until, you know, failure is just a concept that you're, we're always failing. We do it every day. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. If you're not failing, if you're not comfortable at one point in time, then you're not making the kind of growth that you need. Mm-hmm. And do, you, so, do you feel as though there was like, certain books or certain messages that came into your life that flipped that switch for you, whether it was like reading 
or listening to a certain podcast or is there any turning points that you can remember vividly in your mind? Well, to be honest, one one person in particular, Ashley Horner, started following her quite a long time ago and kind of watched her career develop. She's around the same age as me. And I went to a boot camp. And this was when I was first, first kind of entertaining the prep idea for my first competition. And I met her and she just really powerfully put this, this thought in my head that beauty is a concept that we really have askewed in our society by only what we see on the outside. And when I started to focus on qualifying beauty as, you know, how wanting to quit and not, or giving my best and knowing that my best was good enough to finish, or, you know, finding beauty in the non mere non scale victories and slowly allowing myself to, to be vulnerable and share those trials and struggles with other women, that really helped me to continue to realize that the notions that I had been telling myself before weren't correct. And so, yes, I I did buy a lot of books, but the biggest book that I would say was the best for me was, it's actually a, a therapy book on dialectic behavior or dialectic therapy, which is talking to yourself right? And, and cognitive therapy on what we think. And again, like I had kind of said before, nobody talks to you more than you do in your head throughout the day. And so this book specifically just helped me to realize that, you know, the statements, I can't, I won't, I'm not good enough, what if, all just were negatively reinforcing bad behaviors. And so I had to cognitively and dialectically talk to myself all the time and say, no, Kelly, you're not stupid. You, you know, you might not be able to spell and you might not be able to do math very well, but, you know, you have a gift in this, that or the other. And you need to focus on those talents and sharing those because those are what you excel in. And if you can continue to focus on those things, then if that's where you're, you should be and that's where God wants you, then, you know, you'll excel in it. And that's how you'll know that you're on the right path. And I slowly, oh, you know, started to get better and slowly started to win and, and make winning moments in my life to where I didn't really need the books anymore. And I didn't need the self-help and the therapy. And it was just, I now talk to myself like that on a regular basis okay, you failed. Okay, this is going to be hard. But are you going to accept no for an answer? Are you going to allow other people to tell you how your life is going to go? No, no, I'm not, not anymore. I'm, I'm tired of creating excuses not to try. And so yeah, the, the main book for those who actually are interested, it's called the Dialectical Behavioral Therapy Skills Workbook. And it's just Exercises that help you to learn mindfulness, interpersonal effectiveness, emotional regulating, stress tolerance. And it, it, it was very helpful for me. I mean, I, I'm someone, like I said, I had um, struggled with depression. Um, unfortunately, I had, I had a wonderful childhood. My mom and dad, you know, we had a happy childhood. I grew up in a, a lower class family in terms of money. So, outside and playing and and those kind of things were more of what we did but at the same time unfortunately I had been molested at six years old um, by a neighbor boy which had into my teen years when I started going through puberty led to some some developmental issues with my body and then I was again hard to talk about um, but needs to be addressed I was raped um, when I was 15 I was exercising and running down the road and I was almost abducted by somebody just a random gentleman driving down the road he tried to, to steal me and um by the grace of God I, he didn't abduct me however he he did rape me and leave me for dead unfortunately so from the time I was 15 to the time I was like 19 I was really dealing with a lot of those issues I was cutting on myself I was trying to commit suicide I was failing in school and 
it just got to the point where that's when I had actually met my husband and he, you know, had kind of started to, to help me see potential in myself that my life circumstances could change if I wanted them to. And I didn't have to be a product of the things that had happened to me that I was worth more. And so I started to do the therapy. I started to try to, you know, work on, on my self-efficacy and my self-worth and my self-confidence because for so long I had just tried to kind of push all that <laughs> away in a room and not deal with it because I was scared that it was going to define my future and who I was as a person. But once I realized that there were other women that had had these things happen to them and, you know, that it didn't keep them from being loved or from achieving the things that they had wanted to in life. I really tried to get my shit together. (laughs) Um, I just, you know, my brother had died. It was at that point where I just was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm trying to control every aspect of my life. I'm trying to allow myself to be at this pinnacle or pedestal where I feel like I'm never going to get there. And it was very defeating to always be feeling negative about myself. So I really just, again, tried to do everything that I could, create a community of people that would help lift me up that had been through similar experiences. You know, I I went to a therapist and had sought advice on how to reasonably and rationally deal with a lot of the things that I was going through. I tried to read. I tried to do devotions. I tried to meditate on a daily basis. I made you know, my training, a scheduled regular thing, like an appointment, like a class. So that way I couldn't miss it, regardless if I wanted to. And slowly through not wanting to do those things, feeling the pain of having to do them, and then realizing that dealing with them was much less painful and more rewarding than trying to not have to deal with them or act like they never happened or just move past them. I realized what an amazing person I really am and what I have to offer. You know, again, I might not be the best. There's always going to be somebody better than me. There's always going to be somebody worse than me. But is that going to keep me from thriving in this life and enjoying what I'm doing in it? No. And I was really upset with myself that, you know, once my brother had passed away, I'm going to let myself just continue down the same path. I felt kind of responsible that I need to push past these walls and these barriers that I kept kind of almost creating for myself and and live a life both for me and my brother and and make him proud and, and do the things that, you know, I think that we as where we came from are actually capable of. And so here I am. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. I could literally speak with you for hours upon hours. We're going to have to, (laughs) we're going to have to have you come back on Kelly. My goodness. It's already been an hour. Can you believe it? Yeah. (laughs) So quick. Oh, you are just so inspirational. And I know that like, oh, so many people are going to be listening. And if they are going through any even little chunk or piece of your journey, you are going to give them so much hope. So thank you for opening up in such a raw, authentic, and real way. I really, really do appreciate you. Oh, no problem. And thank you so much for letting me come on and tell my story. I'm pretty sure aside from my feet, not very many people know about like where I had come from with my depression and my my abuse and that kind of thing. And more or less, I just want to kind of give the the message out there to whoever is listening that this life is not meant to be survived. You are meant to thrive in it. And yeah. you are capable of far more than you possibly could understand. And that there's people out there who want to help you achieve that. And mm-hmm. it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to allow yourself to feel vulnerable. That's how we grow. And just to know that you are loved, to hope for the best and have faith in that and always continue to push forward. Don't take no for an answer. If there's a fire in your heart for it, it's there for a reason and you need to follow that. Absolutely. Absolutely, Kelly. Now, what if somebody wants to connect with you? How would they be able to do that? Well, multiple different ways. Obviously, 
I'm, I'm, to be honest, as a millennial, I'm still not very good at the whole techie thing. However, um, you could get a hold of me a couple different ways. Uh, Instagram, Kelly, I think it's down slash S down slash good um, is my Instagram name. You can DM me through there. Uh, Facebook again. And then uh, I also have a website, Kelly Good Studio, that is was established mainly first through for the performing arts side of things. However, now that I've gotten into the the bodybuilding and that kind of stuff, you can also reach out to me through there. But I really I welcome any questions. I don't I am an open book and I hope that through my trials and tribulations that I can help someone through theirs because I wholeheartedly believe that that's why the universe allows us to go through these things so that we can utilize them to make the world a better place. So, yes, kellygoodstudio.com would be probably the best way. My email, you can link through there as well as my phone number to, to get in touch about really anything. I'm I'm here to, to help anyone who is welcome to exceed, you know receive any information that I have to give them. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Now, I do like to end the podcast in with one final question, and that is, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, that is a good one. Well, I, I would hope that I would be remembered for the legacy of allowing other people to feel loved regardless of what, what they've accomplished or where they're at in this life. You know, some people are leaders, some people are followers, and that's okay. But more or less, we need to, I want to spread the message to people that your life, what you feel like on the outside, what you look like on the outside is a reflection of how you feel mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So if you don't address those things, if we don't address everything as a whole, that we're kind of missing a part of the equation that is necessary for success in life or in bodybuilding. And so if I could leave a legacy behind, it would be that you're beautiful or you're, you're capable regardless of what your life circumstances are. And if we can just focus on us as a whole instead of what we just look like or what we're able to accomplish in this life, that is what qualifies our success. Nothing else. Mm, my goodness I just can't wait to meet you seriously <laughs> <laughs> like I've met you but not met you you know like <laughs> yeah yeah we've talked oh, times. I and I appreciate all your help as well um and uh you're you're a godsend and I really hope that you know that you are doing amazing things in this life through what you're doing with your outlet on your podcast and your your presence online and I'm excited to see where you go with it as well Mm, so good so so good well I will be catching you in 16 weeks babe all the best with your yes. contest prep I know right Ugh. it's gonna be crazy have it's you been to world yet for myself not in the pro leagues I've been in the morning okay. show in the okay. elite division and I've watched the pro show with clients I've had in it but not for myself personally so I'm a little bit like excited nervous like it's, holy yes. holy moly it's, you know it's kind of a nerve-wracking experience <laughs> When I was first standing backstage, I was like, how am I even here? Right. How is it? Like, how is this possible? I um, know. But yeah, so cool. I'm, I'm excited to meet you as well. And again, thank you so much for one, allowing me to be on, but two, sharing your story and, and really helping the world. Do you work with mostly women, correct? Mostly women. Yeah, I do have a couple. Ju- I do have a couple of guys, but I would say like 90% women. Yeah, same with me, but just thank you for doing what you do because it one it takes a lot of guts to put yourself out there (laughs) for people but two it's very inspiring to see in a real honest woman putting out there the truth the myth tips and the downside everything that goes into this lifestyle and I pray I really appreciate your honesty and your genuineness in being transparent with your lifestyle and how you've achieved everything that you have. Mm. So good, so good, Kelly. Well, you have yourself a good day. We will catch you next time, and bye for now. Thank you so much, Angie. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye.
Guys, I'm on a really big mission here and I want to transform 1 million lives, but I need your help. I can't do it alone. I want you to take this episode, share it with just one person. Maybe it's a friend or a family member or maybe a coworker, just one person who could really benefit from the information in this week's episode or perhaps a previous episode. That is how we create impact. That is how we get this movement going. That's how we take people from feeling tired and just not having a fulfilled life and we put them into fulfilling their full potential. So I challenge you guys to share this with just one person. It would mean the world to me. And as always, head on over to iTunes, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. They come out every single Thursday. That is my commitment to all of you guys so that you guys can continually grow, expand, and fulfill your full potential. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Lots of love, Ange. That truly was one of my favorite conversations of all of the ones I've done on the podcast so far. And if there's any key takeaway that you take away, guys, I hope you realize that no matter where you are right now, no matter your circumstances, no matter what life has thrown at you, you have an opportunity to either continually play the story of the victim, keep on saying, oh, poor me, and this is a really shitty situation, or you have the power to do what Kelly did, and that is really rise above the crap, rise above the shitty circumstances, really become the best version of yourself because you take hold of your life and you say, I don't wanna feel this way anymore, or I don't wanna keep on playing the story over and over and over. So I really hope you take that piece of information, you apply it to your life, and you make some massive shifts if you want to see big changes, right? Nothing changes until you are able to take hold of your life and really say, I want something to be different. So that's all I got for you guys today. Thanks again for joining me. Guys, I'm on a really big mission here and I want to transform 1 million lives, but I need your help. I can't do it alone. I want you to take this episode, share it with just one person. Maybe it's a friend or a family member or maybe a coworker, just one person who could really benefit from the information in this week's episode or perhaps a previous episode. That is how we create impact. That is how we get this movement going. That's how we take people from feeling tired and just not having a fulfilled life and we put them into fulfilling their full potential. So I challenge you guys to share this with just one person. It would mean the world to me. And as always, head on over to iTunes, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. They come out every single Thursday. That is my commitment to all of you guys so that you guys can continually grow, expand, and fulfill your full potential. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Lots of love, Ange.